Warning, the Grow Your Salon Fast Show contains content that may offend. The hosts don't care. If you want to grow your salon fast, keep listening and find out more at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com. But for now, here's your hosts, Vagar Svanberg and Kat Smith. Hello there and welcome to the Grow Your Salon Fast Show. Hello Kat, how are you? Hi, I'm really well, thank you. How are you? I am good. So, what's happening in New Zealand over the last week? Uh, We've just had a big election here. I don't know if everyone uh, knows that uh, we've had our general elections and we have a um, parliament. No, no one cares either. Although Donald Trump cares because he rang the new prime minister-elect and said congratulations to her. And yes, we have another female uh, Mm. prime minister, which is uh, the third female prime minister uh, in my history. And it's the second youngest Prime Minister we've ever had, so she's only 37. Uh, But there's a bit of controversy over it because New Zealand has a mixed member proportional system where you vote for a party and you vote for a politician or a member of parliament. But not necessarily your member of parliament will get a seat, but if the party gets a seat, they might get a politician in the government and, and... if the one party doesn't get a majority vote, they have to negotiate with another party yeah. to make up the amount of seats and they can have a coalition. So it's basically a coalition yeah. government. And in this case, the two major parties were very close and there were the one other party that had nine seats. So one had 56 seats but needed 63 and the other one had 43 This is, this is really yeah. exciting, Kat. Keep talking. <laughs> I know. I don't keep talking. Anyway, this, this guy who had the nine seats, he decided who the prime minister was going to be. So oh, basically, right. he was the one who said, I'm going to negotiate with both parties, and then I'll decide who it is that is going to give me the best yeah. best deal, and then I will choose the government. So, so it was pointless having an election for the yeah. New Zealand population because one man decided who the Prime Minister and the party was going to be. And he didn't choose the one with the most seats. Yeah, isn't that funny when you get all those small parties running everything just because they are just on that border? Yeah. Exactly. But the, the thing just goes to show that um, it's not about the majority. Often it's just about the minority who make those decisions. And the other thing is that you can't always have what you want. So you, even if you voted on the major parties and you wanted one way, there was always someone to come along and say, no, you're not having it. I'm going to give it to somebody else. This is why I'm libertarian. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And, and why it doesn't really bother me at all, because we just carry on regardless, don't we? Yeah. Speaking of, did I, did I mention that my kids could have ended up in childcare services? <laughs> oh, my God, what have you done this time? <laughs> <laughs> I've it heard all about you sta- Norwegians and your saunas. <laughs> it all started off with me uh, delivering the car at the garage to, to have it fixed. And uh-huh. I did that in the morning. Uh, my appointment was 9.30. I delivered the car 7.30. So I called them because I hadn't heard back from them. The clock, uh, I think the time was about 3 3.30, I called them to, you know, listen if I could go and car. collect the car. And then they told me that, oh, no, no, no. The guys in the workshop, they've left for the day, so you won't have your car until tomorrow. Oh. And as I told the man, then we have a problem because kindergarten is closing in an hour. And if I'm not there to collect uh-huh. my kids, they will be, 
you know, they will call childcare services because I need to collect my kids and I need my car seats, which are in the car, obviously. In the car. So why didn't you inform me that I wouldn't have my car back today? Oh, no, that was obvious because it was a big repair. Uh, no, it wasn't that obvious <laughs> to me. So long story short, I got one of, um, I got a, someone I know to, to drive me to the garage. So we get, we just start a journey and then some idiot decides to drive his car into the nose of a lorry. Oh shit. Further ahead on the road. So there were queues, there were delays. <laughs> I had to do to, to, All those good things. Yeah, I had to divert, you know, drive on narrow country roads and the rest of it to get there. Finally got there. And uh, the garage guy gave me another car, which they had, obviously, because they're a car company. So luckily they had cars. So he actually, you know, I could, I, I, luckily I got to borrow a car. Then I had to drive back through the queues and all and made it right before kindergarten closed. So that was a, that was a close one. Did you have the car seat? Yes, I got the car seats. He actually took me into the garage, lucky. into the workshop, got the car seats out of the car and collected my kids. So, see, that story would have been so much better if it, you'd taken the car to the garage and you'd forgotten that you'd left the kids in the boot of the car. <laughs> yes, that, that would yeah, have been worse. Yeah, that would definitely yeah. be a social services yeah. job. So, the lesson today is if you have a major operation on your car, you should probably check if you get the car back or something. <laughs> Ish. Don't always assume. Assume people are stupid and then you won't be uh, disappointed. No. I was just annoyed with them that I couldn't say, you know, say that. And how, do, how do Norwegians get annoyed? Do you just sort of give each other looks? We're not as polite as the Brits. I would guess I would guess that we are pretty much like New Zealanders, is my guess, uh -huh. without knowing people from New Zealand except from you. Tell them they're a fucking Muppet. Yeah. Ish. You sort your shit out. Ish. Yeah. Okay. No, it depends. We're not I've as rude. I've got some doozies we're, around here. We're not as rude as the Russians, but we're not as polite as the Brits. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> there goes another crowd. Anyway. Not as rude as the Russians. Speaking of journeys. Mm. Do you know what uh, salon marketing and train journeys have in common? Um, they are long and boring and have really bad cups of tea. Well, it's not bad guess. No. That was that was not where I was aiming at this time. Okay, sorry. So marketing and train journeys. No, not Scooby. Have no idea what you're talking about. What is happening there? So now Kat is showing me something on the video here, which is appears to be a fly. Oh, sorry. I've been an interruption. I have an interruption from another cameo appearance from the mini QB of E. Another Say guest hi. appearance. Hi. Hi. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, sorry, she's just come in to show me that she has tied her very first fishing fly. Wow. Because her popper is going to take her out fishing into one of the many beautiful rivers we have in New Zealand to go trout fishing. And he bought his, well, his fly tying gear out and she's been tying flies. And can you tell me, Mini QBV, whether that fluff on there is some of the kitten's fluff from his belly? Not slinky. No, not slinky this time. It's Snuggles. Oh, it's my old <laughs> cat. Is it cat fur? <laughs> Who died many years ago. It's cat fur. Is she shaving and the cats to get men. material yeah. for binding flies? Yeah. Cat fur, um, duck and pheasant um, fluff. It's what? It's um, cat fluff and? Um, duck and pheasant um, feathers and a hook. 
and yeah. Is it called anything special? Mm, we haven't made up a name for it yet. Cool. We just made this one up. It, it looks like a dragonfly mostly because of the long wings. That's awesome. See, learning new skills. Wow. She can now go hunt and gathering. She'll never go hungry again. No. Mostly. Mostly, yeah. <laughs> cool. That's why people listen to us, don't you think? They learn new things. Yeah. That's why they come back. <laughs> they learn new things. You need cat fur to tie flies. That's yeah. And you need to take your Sorry. customers on the train journey. What was that? That was a nice segue, wasn't it? It was a nice segue. Sorry about that, listeners. I'm sure you're bored with all my homely activities. Well, you are li- you are living with your mom, so. And my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I am quite old. The first time, I can't remember the first time I came across this, but it had to do with, um, uh, it has to do with not selling, trying to sell everything at once. Uh, right. And I think that, I don't know, when you started our cat, if you tried to, you know, sell everything at once or if you tried to sell more than one thing. Um, I think I tried to sell a few things at once and I even tried to sell things I hadn't even done yet, but I did them as I sold them. And so I had to do it because it made me do it, which actually is a very, very, very good way of, of creating products. It's actually selling them first and then having to do it. Yeah. But if you go to, you know, if you go to any any business website, you will see that carpenters, they will, you know, sell, they will tell you that they build new houses, that they refurbish old houses and do lots of other stuff. Salon owners will say that they do hair and they do lots of things. So that goes for carpenters, that goes for plumbers, that goes for salon owners, that goes for, goes for spas, that goes for massage clinics, that goes for many businesses that they just try to sell you on everything. So they try to sell you everything at once, almost, and try to have this menu of things you are supposed to pick from. So like going to a restaurant, you've got a huge, you know, here's the entree, here are the mains, here are the desserts, there's lots of options to choose from. The analogy here is that there is an alternative. I came across this okay. a few years ago, and I can't remember where I got it from, but I know that Sean D'Souza outlines this process in his book. And that has to do, I think he calls it bags on the belt. It's a similar journey to, to a train journey, in that you uh-huh. put one bag on the belt first, or you pick one bag off the belt first before you pick the next bag off the belt. Uh-huh. What this means is that you take your customers on a journey where you take your customers from station to station and try to sell them mm-hmm. on one thing at a time instead of selling everything at once. You did that when you had your salon at Nottingham. I mean, you still do it in your business now, but you did that specifically when you had your, your, your salon on Notting Hill, didn't you? Because you took your customers out on a train journey in, forms of, in, in terms of uh, daily emails where you sold them one thing one day and one thing next day, didn't you? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, now I'm starting to see what you're talking about. So, yeah. It's slowly coming together. It's Yeah, (laughs) slowly. I'm a bit slow today, I'm sorry. I was thinking maybe it's one carriage at a time or whatever. But yeah, you do. it's, it's, It's about establishing trust, isn't it? And you can only do that by revealing parts of yourself, um, and talking about who you are and what what your thoughts are and your opinions. And to do that, you don't just sit and gush and tell everybody everything at once because that would be very scary and that would put people off. 
So you just reveal a little piece at a time and that's and daily emails are a really good tool to do that. So you do a little piece of yourself each day. But also in those daily emails you could sell um, sell something. So you're, you're giving some value to the client as well. You're giving them an offer. And that would be, yeah, it could be, the offer would be for um, particular products or a particular service or something we wanted to promote that particular week or month. Um, and it would just be ongoing. So it would just be taking them on a journey from having bad hair to good hair. And this is what we're going to do for you um, and on the way. So yeah, I guess it is like a train journey. Yeah, never thought of that before. You mentioned Sean D'Souza. He's another good Kiwi. Yeah, he is. Not originally, yeah, though, isn't he from India? Not originally, but he is now. So, so I'll claim that. But hey, he's a, he's now a citizen of New Zealand. And, yeah. And a lot of his emails I read, he's become very Kiwi in his, his writing and his words. So good on him. Yeah, good on him. Get his book. But anyway, uh, so you have, along the way, I mean, if you think of a train journey, I don't know how train journeys in New Zealand are, uh, Kat. Uh, train journeys in Norway they are aren't. varying in degree. I mean, there are there are some um, the uh, train journeys in the mountains can be quite spectac- spectacular, but the uh, the other train journeys are pretty boring and dull. Uh, but you, the thing is that you control this journey you take your customers on, and you have big stations, you have small stations along the way, you cater for them, you you make sure they have a you know a pleasant journey, and then you take them from station to station and. The stations could represent what you're selling them. So that could be big things or that could be small things. But the main message is that you try to sell one thing at a time. Because the more options you give people, the less likely it is for them to actually making a decision. Which is why you want to focus on one thing. And this is what we see when we see on the websites that, you know, or, or in the marketing that people say they do everything. And that is probably, you know, I know why they do it. And I did that before myself, but it isn't really efficient because you're not talking to your, you're not talking specifically to anyone. You're just talking to everyone, hoping that someone will bite on any of the, any of the uh, hooks you've put out there. Just like Helena's homemade. Just like Helena's That's made for Helena's hook. It's brilliant. And that is made for one fish. (laughs) Well, it's designed specifically for one type of fish, which would be a rainbow trout, which will, is what they fish for in the rivers here. And they would have thought about it carefully before they made it, because it would be designed specifically for what that particular type of fish likes to eat and what it likes to look at. So yeah, I guess you're specialising in your niching in that particular food for that particular fish. Exactly. You're listening to the Grow Your Salon Fast Show with Kat and Vagard. Remember to sign up for the podcast updates and special bonuses at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com. The other thing I thought about was that what a lot of people do try and do is just throw shit at the wall and see if it sticks um, and then go from there and see whatever's going to work. But That is, like you say, it's a very inefficient way of of doing things. If you know, um, if if you're doing one thing at a time, it it is less confusing to people. So you get more response if it's just one. And if it's the wrong thing, that's fine as well, because then you'll know it's the wrong thing. And you'll find out very quickly that clients don't particularly want what you're offering. And then you move on to the next one. And then we have another problem, uh, because on this train 
uh, on the tracks. You, you have to share the tracks with your competitors sometimes. Right. Because your competitors, they can run train services as well. And that's a different analogy, of course, but it means that you have to avoid collisions and you have to provide a better experience so they don't choose the competing train line. And there are many ways of doing that. We talked about that before. First of all, we we talked about last week, we talked about positioning, how to position yourself so people choose your train rather than your competitors. But it's also something to do with the way you sell. Uh, Most competitors will still have this massive launch where they try to sell everything and i think that using the train the train journey model makes it easier for you to break that because you take people from thing to thing you make sure they have this pleasant journey you sell them on one thing at a time uh which your competitors probably won't do no so it makes you quite different doesn't it so already you've got a point of difference and you haven't really done anything major done something very simple yes you have do you like the train analogy Kat? do you understand it now yeah yeah i am understanding now i do have a problem with trains though because my husband has worked in the train industry for a very long time and he's become a bit of a train spotter and uh a train a, spotter a running joke inside our family in fact it's not a train spotter he's a tunnel spotter so he has worked on a lot of areas uh, as an engineer on train tunnels and cutting tunnels and tunnel boring machines and god knows what else and he gets quite excited when he goes through a tunnel so it's a running joke that he's a bit of a train spotter (laughs) yeah not wow wow. not wow wow no not wow i wasn't aware that existed i'm I'm somewhat of a plane spotter but you know train spotting i've never heard of that Oh, really? Oh, you should come and stand on some of the platforms in London and watch the train spotters as they spot the 1055 from Sutton come through Clapham Junction. They're hilarious. Um, but uh, 10 years ago, approximately, maybe long earlier, uh, Mr. QBV came home and said, oh, they're selling tickets at work for a, for a, um, a Valentine's event. Um, and the, the single tickets are £14 and the, the double tickets are only £20. And I said, oh, what's it for? And he said, well, what you do is we go down um, on the underground uh, and each woman gets a rose and a glass of champagne and we go on the train and we go into the tunnel. And I said, oh, sounds a bit, a bit risque. And he said, yeah, and when we get in the tunnel, they, they, they turn the train off and it goes dark. And I said, this is sounding a wee bit scary. And he said, yeah, and then they shine the lights on the tunnel walls. And I said, why do they do that? He says, because the walls were built X, Y, Z years ago, and they're really amazing. And I was like, there's a reason they sell single tickets to that event. <laughs> Bloody tunnel spotter. I'm not going down a train with you. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So we didn't do that as a Valentine's event. I think you thought better of it, which was a good thing. Kat, we have a question from a listener. Question? You got a yes. question? We got a question from a listener. Good. Cool. Coolio. We like these. She's um, going to one of the uh, industry exhibitions. She's going to have oh, yeah. this this stand uh, where she has to, you know, display her business and try to promote herself. And her cool. question is, her question is, how can I stand out from the crowd? 
Yeah, that's actually a really good question. And exhibitions, I know, can be very expensive to go to. So you're kind of looking for a return on your investment. And um, funnily enough, we talked about this with another um, one of my marketing colleagues who runs a promotional uh, products company, so completely different from this industry. And he often goes to exhibitions and has a stand. Um, so he wanted to know what he could do to maximize his time at the exhibition. Um, and some of the things he's done, which have been very successful, is he's run competitions at the exhibition. Um, he had a Wheel of Fortune board that you spin around and somebody would win a promotional product or, or whatever it was that he was uh, giving away. Um, and so everybody got a little prize to take away. But in return for them spinning the wheel, they had to provide him with a contact number, an email address and a physical address in their name. Um, and that went on a database and then he got permission to follow them up after the event. Um, because what you're doing really in an event is, is getting as much, um, as many prospects as possible so that you can establish a relationship and follow them up relentlessly with something uh, further down the track. And when he went back to the office, he had the permission to call them three days after the event to follow up and to talk about their needs and then another call and some emails and then he started sending out uh, little packages to them to show what they do um, to be interested and he got a lot of response from that so it wasn't selling straight at the exhibition it was what happened afterwards and the follow-up afterwards that got him the results and the return on investment so yeah that's that's one way to stand out is to offer an you know, yeah. competition or something and and I guess it, it if it's the other good thing, I mean, I don't know what this person does or how they do it, but if you've got a book to give yeah. away in exchange for information, that's a really good way of standing out. And you're giving something free in reciprocation for something valuable from them, which is their contact details. So the whole thing is about the follow-up. It's about, it's not the expression itself. It's about getting that information from people to, to move um, forward. So, yeah, you could have banners and all sorts, but I'm guessing... Yeah. The idea is to get everyone to take something from you, to hand something out to you, and to stop them so that they stop and spend five minutes. Exactly. And especially this, but I mean, this uh, particular person, it's uh, three days until the exhibition. So I think that's a bit short to write a book. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I could write a book. Yeah, you're late. But writing a book, that's a great idea. What you, other things you could do is that you could, you know, pre, you could record DVDs, you could uh, hand out small guides or something. Not just the, the, not just the traditional, you know, leaflets and brochures and stuff people hand up, but something that actually yep. generally leads yep. from you and that shows you. Do you know that that whole DVD thing is a really good idea? Sorry to interrupt you because you're handing them out at something that seems more valuable than a brochure or a leaflet, yeah. um, and they have to take away and do something with it. Yeah. And you could get some produced within three days. You could just have to stand up and you know say the yeah. seven uh, mistakes you're making in your business yeah. or the seven mistakes that people make in this industry and just talk about them, get them recorded, print them off. Someone will do it very quickly. Get because your face you... pl plastered all over it. Yeah, exactly. Because what you will see at the exhibitions is that people will normally, most of them, will just sit there and uh, style someone or do something like that. That won't necessarily go actively out to try to get prospects. So just by doing that, you differentiate yeah. yourself from, from the others. Kat, we have another question. I think we can uh, make that before we end. Because 
when people listen to this, it will be December. We are recording these shows a few weeks in advance. And one person asked here if it's unethical to raise the prices during the Christmas season. It's kind of the wrong question to ask, really. It's, is it unethical to raise your prices at all? Um, no, it's not unethical to raise your prices. And you should be doing it any time of the year. You don't necessarily have to do it at Christmas. I know what the, where this kind of question comes from, and it's around the idea that when there's a shortage or when people are more wanting to buy, um, people raise their prices. So, for example, um, when there's a concert in town, hotels will raise their prices. You know, a lot because they are taking advantage of that. There's lots of people coming into that particular town for the concert. Um, and and they only do it then and then they drop their prices again. But you should be raising your prices all the time um, until you get a resistance from it. If your clients are coming in just at Christmas time and you want them to spread out during the year, then why don't you say to them, and this is what I did, was... Um, if you book in all your appointments during the Christmas period for the coming year, you will get all your appointments at the same price you'll pay right now. But I am going to be raising my prices in January, so yours will stay at the low, the lower price and everybody else's will go up. But you have to pre-book it all in and we'll manage them to make sure that um, you know it can be changed any time that you, you want to. That's absolutely fine. But you're all booked in and you can pre-pay for them. Yeah. Um, but it stays the price that um, you already have. Um, and it's a really good way of getting people to give you money up front, solve your cash flow problem, particularly in quiet January, February. But yeah, unethical? No. No, it's not. It's supply and demand, basically. So do what you want. But you could do, you could choose how you do it. And in addition to what Kat's already yeah. said, you could offer, I mean, during Christmas season, people go to Christmas dinners and parties and stuff all the time. They want to look good. So what you could do is that you could offer, you know, Christmas packages or add-ons to what you do. Uh, basically just simple upsells. But when you have them in the chair or when you book the appointment, you could say that, look, now for Christmas, we have this, that or the other uh, or you could just ask them, are you going to a Christmas party? Are you going to a Christmas dinner? Do you have some important meetings or whatever? And then you could just offer that package. That's a really simple and easy way to 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 make an upsell that could have a big impact to you in terms of uh, higher prices and higher profits. Because it is the holiday season, mm. during the Christmas season, you, there's nothing unethical about you know using that opportunity and to, taking advantage uh, of that opportunity and it's and you know really it's just a date you could raise your prices in november and you should uh, and they could be higher already and you, should, you know you should and then your price is already raised and then you know for whatever emotional attachment you have to christmas and the season and you uh, and all that it, it means being negligible because you've raised them in November and you know you feel good about yourself because really it is just an emotion you're experiencing it's just an emotion of a belief um, and a belief system around a particular uh, mythological being and th there's no logical reason for that at all I totally get when things like a disaster happens and um, and for example, the, I remember two examples. One was uh, September 11th in the States when the Twin Towers fell. And one was the London bombings, which I was, um, which I experienced when I first got to London. Um, the first one was the 9-11 as I was working in the travel industry at the time. And 
the area I was working in was the financial district of London and the whole place was evacuated and a lot of people couldn't leave on the trains because the trains all stopped and everything so there were a lot of people stranded in the central city and as I was working in the travel industry I was asked by a couple of companies I worked for to book hotels for their stranded people and the hotels prices were they just shot up 10 times the price they were making obscene amounts of money based on this disaster so I can see why people get the whole idea that it's really unethical to take advantage of people when something when something happens and yeah perhaps it's unethical in that situation where it's a disaster and it's you know people have lost their lives and all the rest of it but what you say is right it is supply and demand and it's only the emotional attachment you have to those beliefs that's holding you back and on that note we are done what do we want our listeners to do we want you to review our podcast. So go on and write what you think, good or bad, doesn't matter, love it, hate it, want to stop it, want to continue it, have an opinion, put it on there. That's the only time you're allowed an opinion mm-hmm. as far as we're concerned. Yeah. So go and do it right now before you forget. And there might be some bonuses in it for you. And if you have a question, you can send that to us as well on the Grow Your salonfastshow.com You've been listening to the Grow Your Salon Fast Show with Kat and Vagard. Share and sign up for your podcast updates and special bonuses at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com